This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Vaughn, Mm. did you know that Brazilian teens occasionally dress up like superheroes to fight pedophiles? Whoa, no, but I think I can top that. What? Did you know, yeah, mm mm-hmm. Did you know penises have vigilante power? Um... No, but I can't <laughs> wait to find out how. So I guess let's get to it. Hi, Avrin Mackey. It's been a while since I said your whole name, Avrin Mackey. Know. Hello, Vanya Arslanian. How are you doing today? Doing great. I'm wearing a robe. Sorry, I'm not trying to be like, you know. You look luxurious. I just um, was doing laundry. I'm staying at my father-in-law's apartment who has laundry in the build, like in the unit. So we were like, screw doing laundry before we go over there. Let's That's just right. bring our 20 pounds of laundry over here. Dude. And that- so I... I am. I'm. It's a good machine, I think, but it takes longer than I'm used to. Like mm. the wash cycle. I'm like, why has it been an hour and twenty five minutes, and there's still forty minutes left? Maybe I pressed the wrong buttons. <laughs> I don't know. But I put everything in there. Like I was like everything on my body, everything that I packed that I wanted to wash. So all that I had was this robe that I wear when we go swimming. Perfect. <laughs> so I'm just wearing a robe. Listen, I think out. that's great. Um, <laughs> all good things. How are you? I am so excited about today because we're doing something that we've never done before. I know. And this has been such a fun season for me. I don't know how you feel. I feel like we've both really enjoyed it. But it's just been so interesting to to kind of dive into the world of vigilante justice specifically. Um, I mean, we did do one really fun episode and I have a a couple of fun updates that we'll do at the very end where I can let people know like these stories that we told you earlier, I have some updates Guys, on. It's amazing we, stuff. I cannot it's wait. Wild. It's pretty wild. But I thought we thought that for this like finale, it's a finale si. for, for rom-crime vigilante, vigilante. Um, that we would just tell like kind of some of the more humorous stories that we found online. Reddit apparently is just like, coming in hot if you want comical vigilante justice oh, wow. stories. I could only verify some of them, so that's why I picked the ones that I picked. I have two that are not funny. I have two that are not funny, but I think if we go round robin style, it's going to be great. We're going to hit you fast and hard. Yeah, I have one that's not funny, but I think round robin style is the way to go. So should I start with my Brazilian teen story and then you can top me with I your think, penises? I think I must. Well, I'm not sure. I have to save the penis for last, as they say. Okay, you're saving your... Co- save the penis for last. Save the best for last. Right. All right, well, I'm going to start with our my teen story. So <clears throat> this was in 2019. 
Brazilian news networks reported that a 15-year-old boy catfished a pedophile on Tinder by posing as a 14-year-old girl, messaging back and forth, asking him to meet her at a park, and then um, got all dressed up like Spider-Man, waited in the park for the um, the old pedophile to arrive, and then beat the crap out of wow. him. Wow. So, yeah. So, um, the news networks in Brazil said that this 15-year-old named, um, I think it's Jacoba or Jacaba, beat up this old man who was coming to meet a 14-year-old girl. Um, he had multiple conversations with the man and saved it on a flash drive. So then he set up this meeting, kicked the crap out of the dude, called the cops. When the cops arrived, there is a teenager dressed as Spider-Man who has on his person, in his Spider-Man costume, if you will, two pocket knives and um, a bladed brass knuckle. So he really, he beat the crap. But like, oh I'm not my. even joking. Like he really beat beat this man badly. Um, so... He then called the police. Police came. And when, when they arrived, they took the old dude to the hospital. He gave the flash drive to the police officers, explained the story. And um, according to um, Brazilian news networks, the police have the flash drive. The man went to the hospital for treatment, survived, obviously. didn't wasn't like killed in the beating right. or whatever. But there is no um, anything on the internet that I could find as of now, as to any kind of um, criminal charges brought against either of them. So in my brain, they're like both just in a holding cell. There's like Spider-Man and a creepy old pedophile just like really staring daggers at each other in a Brazilian holding cell. So um, if I do ever find out what happened there, if I can ever figure it out, I promise even when we're not doing vigilantism that I'll, I'll, I'll share. So that's my number I'd love one. To keep me up with story. Updated with that. That's you know. I did find a couple of people dressing as superhero superheroes and trying to. Superheroes are kind of like one of the the most obvious iterations of vigilantes, yeah. right? Like people who are not law enforcement, who Batman fight crime on their own. Yeah. All of them, really. They fight crime outside of law enforcement, which is the definition of a vigilante. You know. That's true, but Batman was the only one that who had no powers. He was just a man, but he had a That's lot true. of money for trinkets and th- and and uh, you know razor brass knuckles, right? And also and also Iron Man, right, Vaughn? Because Iron Man is also just a rich dude that figured out how to That's build like true. a really cool suit with powers. Well, then and he but put Batman, it in his heart. if we're gonna. That's true. Oh, that's I forgot about that. Okay, so he was kind of a superhero, but you know, Batman. What was kind of weird about him, other than no superpowers, no like alien otherworldly powers was that he also was like totally in cahoots with the police. Yeah. They would like call for him. They were like, yo, we can't handle this. Help us out. Until you get to the bad Batman episodes. I I feel like every comic book, each superhero has like a bad version where they go, go dark. Right. That's true. That's true. Um, That's great. You know, I mean, it's also sad, but there were so many people beating or killing. It's really upsetting. Um, You know, child sex offenders, and it's just like a hard thing to really think about, you know, not to get like deep and dark here, but it's like, it's really awful what happens to people, you know, what happens to kids. And yes, and people should definitely pay for it, but it's just like, ooh, it's dark. Well, you know, it's kind of it's interesting dark. too, Vaughn. It is dark, but you're right. Like, so you've got a pedophile, right? And say you've got a a teenager who thinks he's Spider-Man who chooses to take matters into his own hands. I am not arguing that that was the right thing to do. But also if you're someone like me, who's fascinated with all crime stories and like 
the criminal justice system, you go into prison as a pedophile, like, look out, you're about to have the worst experience really, of your life. Really, is that what they say? Like, the, tre- the treatment, yeah, like, people will, like, make deals and confess to things in order to say, like, but you have to say that I was just a murderer, you can't say that I was a pedophile, because they will be tortured really? in prison if if other prisoners find out that you're like a child you know yeah murderer or or molester or any it's of those upsetting things because so it seems just like don't do so it any of them out there yeah and the also stories. like just don't yeah don't be a pedophile because it's not going to end well for you whether or not someone vigilantes your ass or you end up in prison where Go to therapy figure your out your ass is owned that. by people yeah figure out for why sure. you're thinking that well then i guess i'll hit my second one with something with the same tone and then we can get get rid of the um child let's get out of this yeah but it's style. really it, yeah. it upsets me so and i really i want to understand how to help and stop it like i've definitely i've given a lot to unicef and different causes that are like protect child trafficking and human trafficking but yeah. especially when it comes to you know children yeah. okay so in the late 90s a man named bradley willem canadian good old canadian was talking to a man online in a news group which is i had to look that up i'm like what's a news group and it's just a, <laughs> and what is it it's a chat room it's a chat room and so they had some sort of a chat i'm not sure what chat room he was in but this person he was talking to offered up his six-year-old daughter and yeah what the hell so upsetting like that right there is like what is going on in that person's head to do something that heinous i really feel like it really is one of the worst things you could do is to hurt a child and to sell your own child yeah so anyways bradley bradley wilman reported it to the police and the man was arrested yay so this actually prompted very smart bradley to create a trojan virus which was he he created this virus within as a picture and he would post it in child pornography news groups like chats which i'm like how are those even a thing eh. like dark web yeah i guess dark and web. so but what he would yeah. do what it would do is it w- it looked like it was a picture and they would like click on it and it would just go back to the directory so it would be nothing but what it would actually do is it would give it put a virus in their computer and it gave gave um, bradley willem all the access to their computer. So nice. And wait, Bradley Willem is just like a normal civilian person. He's a normal civilian guy. And the only, so the only problem with searching through people's computers, of course, is it is super illegal. Even if these people, people are pieces of shit, criminal child pornography, liking people, it's still legal, still super legal. So not admissible in court. Exactly. And so with this living in Canada, he broke so many like state and federal laws, but he didn't care because this is his passion. He was like, I'm going to bring down all the pedophiles I can. In 2000, Orange County Judge Ronald Klein downloaded the virus and Mm -hmm. Willem found over 1,500, 1,500 pictures of young boys and a journal on how he was planning to seduce them. Now, here's the thing. Oh, no. Barf, barf, barf. Uh, you know, he had never, this judge had never acted upon it, but still awful, disgusting yuck. You should not be taking those pictures or getting those pictures and those poor boys. Who, Wait, a judge? A judge. Yeah. From an Orange County judge. Oh, my. So what Willem, Willman, Willman, sorry, not Willem, Willman passed the info along to a watchdog group. By the way, I was like, hmm. 
interesting. Watchdog versus vigilante. Watchdog are just people who like keep an eye out and like will inform the police if something's going on. Vigilante is they're going to just take some action. But Willem, they're going to do Willman something. Passed the info to the watchdog group, who in turn passed the information to the police. And months later, this judge was arrested and charged with possession of child pornography. At his wow. trial, the defense challenged the legality of this virus, but it just wasn't enough. I mean, it it is kind of true. Like you shouldn't, you know, it, it is pretty illegal to like secretly go into people's computers. Computers, but. yeah. Like download a virus. Well, that's interesting yeah. because the fact that that made it to court, that, you know, in front of a judge and a jury, <clears throat> they could say like, this was all this stuff we showed you is illegal. Like normally I feel like a good defense attorney would have gotten all of that evidence thrown out for being obtained illegally and no one would have ever heard about it. And then there would have been no case. And then we would all be so frustrated with the justice system because it doesn't work. So I kind of like that. They were like, we'll let you mention it, but tell you that it's not really legal. Yeah. Cause he got (laughs) a lot of people arrested and hopefully maybe they're using the, the, there's the same tactics, the um, law enforcement. So he only got 27 months in prison, though, which I guess, I, you know, I, I mean, I guess you can't put somebody in prison for life for that, but it feels like you should. Yeah. I mean, I guess if it's just if it's just pornography. So if you're just in possession of highly illegal videos and photographs. Yeah. Part of me is like, well, but that's just that's just a starting point, right? Like escalation is probably inevitable. I mean, or, that's what they say. I, I think they need to get these people into therapy immediately and figure out why. Like, if it is it something that's like their brain is missing that they think this way? Go and figure out. Is right. it like give them a lobotomy or is there something they can do like a surgery? Is it a chemical thing where it's like, can you have a pill that will help your brain not produce whatever hormone or chemical is making you seek this stuff out or is it something that happened yeah, the, to you the and brain I'm, is wild i'm not even saying like that some that you were sexually abused as a child but like maybe something happened to you when you were a child where you felt completely powerless so then now you have to make you know go right. and hunt out powerless things to dominate i just want to understand i want i i don't i know i keep saying this but it's like how do we lower people with this gr- awful appetite you know I know. I feel like you and I had a conversation about this, not on the podcast, where we were talking about looking for stories and both of us kind of found this fun Reddit link. But so many of the stories we were like, that's dark, man. Like, I don't want to talk about like... It's basically people finding out somebody's a pedophile and they go over and shoot them. That's basically And they kill them. And... And that is wrong, obviously, within the context of the law. But you and I had such a fascinating conversation in your kitchen you know, in the middle of the afternoon when you were doing some research about how like, but what, what makes a person a pedophile? And like, how do you answer that question? And I think that we have those questions about a lot of people. What makes a person a serial rapist or a serial killer mm-hmm. or an, an, a domestic abuser? Like what makes that happen? It is complicated. And listen, I am up for learning how to fight that. And I will... I don't know, give money to mental health treatment, Vanya. I think you're onto something like, yes, like criminally prosecute for sure people who abuse children and or like seek out images of children being abused, like prosecute those people, but also couple that prosecution with some or use them as like lab rats, lab rats and figure out why their brains work that way. I mean, I don't want to dehumanize anyone, but still like maybe that those are the people who need to be a little dehumanized. And we just like, we just 
I don't know. That's horrible for me to say, <laughs> but we study their brains. All right. Give us the next one. All right. I'm going to go comedy here. So I had to ask you a question because you're from the Pacific I Northwest. I know you're not. I know you're not from Portland, Oregon, but how do you say this word? So East Bank Esplanade? Esplanade? Esplanade. Esplanade. Okay. I thought that sounded right. So the homeless population of the East Bank Esplanade in Portland, Oregon, we're dealing with a serial flasher <laughs> and chronic public masturbator. Ew, gross. Put and it away. They, right. And they were just so frustrated. And so it all started one morning around like eight o'clock in the morning when this chronic flasher slash public masturbator um, was standing inside of a porta potty within this area that a bunch of homeless people were living in um, and left the door open and proceeded to pleasure himself in front of everybody as everyone's like yelling, like, shut the door, stop what you're doing. And he just wouldn't do it. He was just like vigorously and violently being like, this is my jam. I like people to watch. Right. So he, um, thank you, Louis CK. We don't need to watch you masturbate. No one wants to see that. Um, and so, they were fed up already with this guy, but this particular day, they kept asking him to shut the door. Like he just wouldn't shut the door. So finally, a group of them decide, you know what? Fine. You won't shut the door. We're just going to fucking ruin your day. <laughs> and this is my favorite type of vigilante justice. <laughs> so a group of homeless people in this area form a posse. I like to say posse because I feel like a vigilante yeah. posse sounds yeah. just right. They they creep up behind the porta potty where the guy is masturbating with the door open, and they knock it the fuck Ew. over inside, like covering him in all of the disgusting human excrement that was in the porta potty. Police are called because they had knocked him over and he was kind of like trapped inside. They actually had to call like police and EMTs to the scene. Oh. They all explained what happened, and the um the Portland police officer who responded to this was clearly like thought it was hysterical that this dude was, you know, being inappropriate, sexually inappropriate within this community for so long and that they finally just had yeah. enough. So they just knocked him over in a porta potty and covered him in shit. So what they decided to do was not to arrest him because as this is a direct quote from Willie Halliburton, who was the cop who responded physically, he's fine, but he has had a crappy day. <laughs> um, and he did have, they gave him a change of clothes and like sent him on his way to get cleaned up, but opted not to charge him for the flashing or public masturbation or whatever, because he was covered in human shit because this, this uh, posse of amazing people in Portland were like, this is what will happen to you in the future. If you ever try to masturbate in front of us again, like we will, we will throw feces at you. We will knock you over in this thing. We will, I don't know. We'll push you in the river. We're going to, we're not just going to let you do it anymore. And so that is my story. Um, number two. Okay. I love that. I, and do you like that I said number two? Number two. It's my number it two It was story. a shitty day for him. <laughs> okay. So n- my number two is not so funny, but it is interesting, I think, because it makes you think All about right. what you would do. It is a little sad. So prep, prep, and prep, and prep. Okay. I went real, real light with my first two. Yeah. I feel like I should have led with my, with my heavy <laughs> one. So in 2012, 
It was just outside of Alvin, Texas. And this is sort of a rural area in Texas. And there, a man named David and his two sons, 12-year-old David Jr. and 11-year-old David Jr. Or sorry, both of his sons were David. No. 11-year-old Caleb. Oh, it's like two David Juniors. <laughs> sorry. Who is this? You guys, we're, we're recording a little bit late. <laughs> I uh, My brain is fried. But I'm so happy to be here to tell you the story. <laughs> so, th- so this is actually really sad. So they're pushing their car their truck down the country road um their you know their truck broke down and they lived nearby so they're pushing the car and it was in the evening when 20 year old jose banda was flying down the road drunk off his a he smashes into the car killing david jr on impact and caleb later dies in the hospital now david senior this is alleged is said to have walked home, came back, and shot Jose in the head. So I can only imagine is the accident happened, you know, vehicular manslaughter right there, two people yeah. dead. This He's probably passed out in the front or can't move, the guy. They didn't really go right, into the details. He obviously, he didn't, he didn't flee the scene. He did not he's still flee there. the scene. And David Sr., in, the, in his rage and sadness, r- went home grabbed his gun and shot him. But during the trial, David's lawyers argued there wasn't enough physical evidence because there was no weapon. They couldn't find the gun. And Oh, and no witnesses. No witnesses. And uh, he had no uh, gunshot residue on his hands. The uh, jury deliberated for three hours, only three hours before acquitting him. And in the end, he said it was a sad day three sons were lost that day. So, wow. you know, I, I think he may have just ran and did it in a rage in a, like a, in like a sh- right. In shock. Right. Like a grief field, like a grief filled mm-hmm. rage of like one of your sons is dead immediately. You can see that your other son is mortally wounded yeah. and the, and the, you know, responsible party is unconscious or passed out or incapacitated enough not to run away. Yeah. And you're just sitting there yeah. and like, Oh man, that is. But sad. the truth is, is if the law got to the guy Jose, he would have been in jail for many years. For I assume for, for sure, vehicle, vehicular uh, manslaughter. Because when you're drunk, right, that is uh, and a slew and like a bevy, uh, like a slew of other charges. Like he would be charged with vehicular manslaughter, DUI. Um, you know, if he had any prior DUIs, they probably up that charge from vehicular manslaughter to like something worse because you know you may you take that chance anytime you get behind the wheel and you're drinking and if you've been if you have priors right. I know it makes it worse yeah well so yeah that's a that is a sad one but I guess I can understand the grief driven rage I guess you know sure but I, I can't know. even imagine being like car breaks down asking your two boys like well you have the car in neutral like all right boys my strap and teens yeah. like hop out help me push this up the road and then to have someone slam into you and take both of them away from I you. I mean, that's like my yeah, nightmare I mean, is losing both my kids, losing anybody, but in, you know, my kids. Right. And, and in the same, in the same kind of event and moment, that's so sad. Yeah. So there you go. Number two. Okay. Boo-hoo. Number two for you Very is, sad. is a big boohoo. All right. So <laughs> my third and final for our round Robin is the story of Grady Styles Jr. AKA Lobster Boy. So, there is a peculiar physical condition known as ectrodactylil, which had afflicted 
the Styles family. So Grady Styles family. This rare congenital deformity um, basically like fuses parts of your hands and feet together. So it would um, it would fuse their hands together and they would look per this article like lobster claws as the middle fingers are either missing or fused to the thumb and pinky. So while many people may have viewed this condition as a handicap, for the Stiles family, it's spelled opportunity. So as far back as the 1800s, as the family grew and produced more children with unusual hands and feet, they developed a circus act called the Lobster Family, which became a carnival staple throughout the early 20th century. So you imagine like the sideshows, the freak shows, all that stuff. Um, This family like made it their living because they had this congenital deformity. And one son, Grady Stiles Jr., a.k.a. Lobster Boy, would one day give the Stiles family a different morbid reputation when he became a serial abuser and murderer. Uh Uh-oh. So... Here's a little bit about Grady Styles Jr., a.k.a. Lobster Boy. He was born in Pittsburgh in 1937. At this point, his father was already part of the freak show circuit and added his kids as they were born um, with um, ectrodactyli to the act. So Grady's particular case was very severe. So in addition to having um, hands that had the deformity, he also had it in his feet in such an excruciating way that he could not walk and was wheelchair bound. So for his whole life, he used a wheelchair, but he also, as a result of this, learned to use his upper body to pull himself like across, like he could basically pull his entire body and walk across the floor using just his upper body, like incredibly strong. And um, that would end up benefiting his homicidal rage a little later on in life. So throughout his childhood, um, Grady and his, the Styles family toured with the Carnival Circuit, and they would spend their off-season in Gibsonton, Florida, which, per the article that I got this from, said, as many of the carnies did. Oh. So I guess um, in the off-season from the Carnival festivals, they would hang out in Florida. <laughs> um, the, the family, yeah, right? Shocking. <laughs> the family did well. Um, they made anywhere between 50000 to 80000 per season. So we're talking about like, you know, like pre-1950s here. So that's a lot of money. Um, Grady Styles grew up in this carnival world. And so inevitably, he fell in love with another carnival worker, a young woman named Maria. Uh, Maria Teresa. Some people say Mary Teresa. Those two names are cited. And she had run away to join the circus as a teenager. She was not part of an act, just a staff member, just someone who worked at the carnival. But she fell in love with Styles, and the two of them got married, and together they had two children. And like their father, the children, um, sorry, and like his father before him, when their children were born with ectrodactyli, he introduced them to the family business. As the children grew up, most particularly their daughter, Kathy, who was not born with this physical deformity. um, And so she was basically like the prized child in her father's eye. Because she didn't have it. Um, the other kids are in within the act. But as they're, the children are growing up, the Styles family legacy begins to take a rather dark turn. Styles was a heavy drinker. So being a drunk and combining that with his overpowering, like almost inhuman upper body strength, 
he um, eventually became abusive toward his wife and children. At one point, this is horrifying. I can't believe I'm even going to say this out loud, but just to like, just for you need to know how bad it was. At one point, he allegedly used his lobster like hand to rip his wife, Kathy. No, no, sorry, that's his daughter, Maria, to rip his wife, Maria's IUD from her cervix during a fight. He would also use his hands to choke her because they were seemingly designed to do that very well. Like it was easy for him to choke people with the way that his hands were. So um, that wasn't even the worst of it. The worst was yet to come. Grady Stiles' daughter, a teenage daughter named Donna, fell in love with a young man that he didn't like. Giles didn't like it. And so he demonstrated his fatal strength. No one um, is exactly sure exactly what happened. Either Styles went to see his daughter's fiance at his home or invited the young man over under the guise of giving his blessing for their engagement. Um, because, or sorry, his blessing for their wedding, which was planned for the very next day. So this happens on the eve of the wedding. <sighs> he invites the future son-in-law over the night before comes over, Styles picks up his shotgun and murders his daughter's fiance in cold blood. Oh. He then goes to trial. He admits to the killing and shows no remorse whatsoever. But he also points out that he couldn't possibly be sent to prison because no jail would be equipped to handle his disability and to confine him to prison would be cruel and unusual punishment. Um, also, by this time, he had acquired um, cirrhosis of the liver from all of his drinking and emphysema from years of smoking. And this argument, even though he admitted to murder, showed no remorse. The court realized that they really didn't have a counter argument. It was true that the prisons within their jurisdiction were not equipped to deal with his like myriad of disabilities. Um, they did not have, you know, the kind of things needed to give this man like dignity. Oof. And so they give him, instead of sending him to prison for murdering someone in cold blood, they give him 15 years of probation and like house arrest. Oh my God. So Giles um, had at this time divorced his first wife, remarried another woman, had two more children, which he proceeded to subject them to his abuse. Um, and eventually his second wife left him. And then this was what I thought was the most crazy for reasons that no one either in the Stiles family or outside of it, no friends, no family can explain or understand. His first wife, Maria Teresa, agrees to remarry him in 1989. What? Yeah. I wonder if he had but like Maria money Tere coming to him or something. Right. Or like she thought he's going to die. And he, yeah, like he's sick. He has emphysema and um, cirrhosis of the liver and he's rich. So yeah, I'll remarry you and take all your cash. Maybe. But nobody really knows why he made, she made this choice. But even these, but even Maria Teresa who went back into it willingly or unwillingly since no one really knows what and her grown children were not without their limits. So having evaded prison, Grady Stiles gained a sense of being above the law and thus the abuse towards his family became even more severe when his wife finally reached a breaking point. A few years after she had remarried Stiles, she paid her 17-year-old neighbor, Chris Wyant, $1,500 to kill him. Maria, um, Teresa's son from another marriage, Glenn, helped her conceive the idea and carry out the plan. So one night, Wyant took a 32 Colt automatic that he had a friend purchase for him into Stiles' trailer and shot him dead at point-blank range. So... 
They have him killed. She has her neighbor. She pays her neighbor to kill her abusive husband who had already gotten away with murder. Now, not one of them ever denied that they killed him or that they had intended to kill him. During the trial, his wife spoke at length of his abusive history. She told the court, my husband was going to kill my family. I believe that from the bottom of my heart. And at least one of their children, Kathy, who I mentioned, the apple of his eye, testified against her father as well um, about how he would have killed them eventually. Um, The jury ultimately convicts Wyant of second-degree murder and sentences him to 27 years in prison. They charged his wife and her son, Glenn, with first-degree murder. She receives a sentence of 12 years in prison. She unsuccessfully appeals her conviction and um, had to serve her full sentence. Um, She tried to get her son, Glenn, to take a plea deal, which I'm assuming she did, but he refused, and the court ultimately sentenced him to life in prison. What? So these two people... These two... These three people, ultimately, one was like a paid assassin, so we won't count him. But with Maria, Teresa, and Glenn fearing for their lives, they murdered this man on purpose, and they both will spend more time in prison. He murdered someone in cold blood and was proud of it, and he got to go home. That is so unfair. Yeah, it's horrifying. So... um. Just as the significant portion of his family was being tried for his murder, um, Grady Stiles' body was being laid to rest because, you know, he was dead now, or unrest, as it were. And it is said that Lobster Boy, Grady Stiles, was so disliked, not just within his family, but within the community that he lived, that the funeral home could not find a single person willing to be a pallbearer at his funeral. Yeah. Wow. Like, that's how much people hated this guy. But I just think this story is so sad because... While I agree again, this is one of those, for me, this is one of those not so hard to answer. Like, yes, you don't, you don't hire your neighbor to kill your husband. Like you, you leave or you call the police, you get police involved. Um, But because he had already kind of proven he was above the law by getting away with murdering someone, admitting it and not showing any remorse, but being somebody that the prison didn't feel they were equipped to deal with. And he just got to go home. Um, But I'm so curious about like, why did she remarry him? And um, how unfair it is that he would get sent home with 15 years probation and she would spend 12 years in prison and her son who helped her orchestrate it. Yeah, we'll spend the rest of his life. Well, you know, she should have eye for an item like Sally Field, you know? Yeah, she needed to she needed to make it look more like a self-defense. Exactly. Sure. Did you know I I'm reading this book. It's really interesting. Um it's called How to Quit Like a Woman and it's basically mm-hmm. sort of about, you know, alcohol and people's relationship with it whatever. One and she has a bunch of statistics. Statistics. I actually really love the way she lays the book out. But they t- she was talking about, you know, the difference between people basically being hurt by like say cocaine versus people being hurt by alcohol and I thought something was really interesting. They count people who are hurt by the hands of someone abusing alcohol. So it's number one. Alcohol is like number one. And in these cases where people are abusing their families or doing things that are not like that are illegal. But alcohol is the most prevalent. It's the most prevalent. You guys, if you're interested in in, in a really fascinating read about it, I I'm obsessed with this book. It's really smart. It's it's great. So, but I just th- thought that was really f- interesting because I was like, wow, so many people are their lives are ruined. Like, yes, you could be the hardcore alcoholic who is ruining your own life, but how many people are you affecting? Right, and even the story you just told before my last story yeah. about a drunk driver right. killing two boys, which ultimately led to his murder. Right, 
you know, like that was because of alcohol. Exactly. And the scary thing is, is we're taught as soon as we're born is like, just wait till you're 21. And the idea that some people can handle alcohol, but some people can't, it's perplexing. It's just interesting. Listen, I love a glass of wine and I like to also celebrate with it, but I'm my, my, the way I'm thinking about it now is a little bit different now. Which is great. I feel like anytime you can have your mind open and expanded to how you've been maybe like coerced or manipulated into thinking that's what it's using a certain product yeah because like it's marketing right i listened to your other podcast where you went into detail about all of this and so (laughs) i forgot i talked but no but no and i love it i'm glad you i'm glad you mentioned it on ours too um for anyone who doesn't have crossover listening but yeah i think it's fascinating how we are sold certain things we are taught from a very young age that we get to reward ourselves with certain things, whether or not it be alcohol or like going shopping or any of the myriad of things. You use that example of like shaving in your podcast. Oh, yeah. How like they weren't selling enough razors, so they had to figure out how to sell them to women. So they basically made women feel like you're disgusting and dirty if you have hair on your body. And guess what? They have never had problems selling razors ever again. No, never. It's just fascinating stuff, guys. I'm telling you, if you want, if you're interested, it's called Quit like a woman, even if you're not a woman, read it. I found I found it really, really good. Okay, so number awesome. three. Or yeah, my number three. My number three. In Manchester, England, a man so frustrated with many wait, I can't do the accent, sorry. <laughs> I do like the words. I was on board um, for it. A I man like, so it. frustrated with the many potholes in the city decided after nothing had been done for months and years even. To take matters into his own hands, vigilant. That's right. He style. Did. <laughs> <laughs> so, I love this story. This is great. I know the, this vigilante, and this is just the most. We'll call him clever vigilante. Although he was known around uh, his town as Wanksy. This is good, guys. Just to oh, plan great. So instead of Banksy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So this vigilante used street art, or should I say, I don't know, penis art. He began to draw penises around the city's potholes. And he uses like high industrial chalk. So I guess in a couple of weeks it would come off, but it looked, it seemed like paint. And people, either it was reported more or whatever, but the holes started to get fixed. So this guy, I mean, I just think this is like, he's... So brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, listen, everybody's going to look at a penis, I guess. So when in doubt, if you want something right, done. Or maybe report it. Yeah. There he's like, nobody cares when I report all of the potholes everywhere that are like destroying people's cars, yeah. having people swerve out of the way. But if I draw a bunch of penises on the street, the city is going to immediately figure out do. how to fix yeah, that problem. And, and so that mine was a short and sweet one, but I just was like, I got to save that best for last. I love it. That's I some vigilante... It. That's like genius. Gosh darn Jedi mind trick stuff, man. I love it. That's the way that I'm like, when we talk about that story, that's when I'm like, be a vigilante. Like figure out a way to think outside the box, to, to write something that in your perception and within like societies and the laws perception of like something that needs to be fixed and you're not be, you're not getting it fixed by contacting the appropriate people. Like think outside the box yeah. and come up with a way to force those people to fix the problem 
by making it so uncomfortable that they have no choice. Like painting penises all over the yeah. problem and being like, fine, you don't want to fix the pothole, but you do want to get rid of this penis. <laughs> so now you have to repave the road. You got to repave the road. I love I it. Love it. So, okay. So our next um, little uh, section here, I cannot wait. So Avrin so sweetly was like, I'm going to go and we're going to, I'm going to, Look at some of our past stories and see if there are any updates or if there's any current news. Yeah. Well, because what was kind of nuts that I realized as we were talking about kind of ending Vigilante, not rom time, right. but this season of Vigilante and going back to, you know, a season three of something different. I was like, well, you know, a couple of the stories we told were like ongoing mm-hmm. or very recent. So I wanted to see if there were any updates. So I will go back to episode two, the, um, Kachaturian sisters from Russia. Remember the three oh, sisters yeah. who um, were horribly abused by their father and then um, killed him one night and had been basically like arrested. And then there was massive protests. They'd wanted to drop the case at one point, the investigators, but then were basically told by the hires, uh, the higher ups, like they had to keep investigating. So as recently as February 5th of 2021, a Russian court has ordered prosecutors to examine new evidence about whether the sisters who stabbed their father to death lied about being sexually abused by the victim and killing him in self-defense. Investigators were told to look into whether Mikhail Kachaturian, 57, actually subjected his daughters, Christina and Galina and Maria, to years of physical and sexual abuse before he, he was stabbed to death. Um, the court's ruling came after Mikhail's relatives accused the three murder suspects of fabricating all of their stories of abuse in order to avoid jail time. They claim that the trio slaughtered their father in cold blood so that they could inherit his money and property. Now, I take that as like a complete bullshit yeah, thing. Yeah, me too. Personally, because I feel like we even talked about that when we covered it. That like, I believe it was like his sister... Um. I don't know what that sound just was. Did you know that? That was either like a really big thunder or a bomb just went off somewhere within the vicinity of where I'm at right now. Well, (laughs) it is, you know, it's rainy, I guess, outside still. It's supposed to rainy. It's supposed to be raining later, but that was very loud and very long. So sorry. But anyway, that's the current situation with the three sisters. So they're not only not dropping their case. They are still going to be tried for murder. And now they have been ordered to examine these um, accusations that they were never abused and that they actually murdered him in cold blood for his money. <sighs> I think I really so, think again, that's such BS. I think that's reaching in every sense of the word. Um, but that was kind of a part of the story when we told mm-hmm. it initially that certain members of his family said that was all They're lies. Like, it's no, um, there's no way he could we'll be that see. way. Well, of course they're going to say that. Right. He was a mobbed up dude, you know, like he was a bad guy, whether or not. I mean, he I think I believe that he did abuse his yeah. daughters based on all of the evidence that would suggest he did. Um, but it's interesting that, yeah, he has family now, even after death, being like, no, they just want his money. So I promise that if I find any new basically when they go to trial, I, I think we'll definitely try to come back and let you guys know what happens there. All right. So then I found. Yeah, there's lightning. That's what that is. Okay, it's lightning and thunder, guys. Sorry, it's not the end of the world. It's just a storm, but I live in California and this doesn't happen very much. Um, it's so true, though. Oh Mid- Midwestern, like, teenage Avram would be just so embarrassed for growing up Avram right now. Like, it's lightning and thunder, you stupid jerk. Like, what's your problem? All right, so Vaughn, I also looked into what's going on 
with the guardian angels and the perv oh, busters yes. that we talked about in episode five. So I love their jackets. As of March, I know with the red yeah. jackets and like the red yes. berets. So as of March 2nd, 2020, Curtis uh, Sliwa, as you remember, who was the founder and leader of the guardian angels has officially taken a hiatus from his radio show. Cause you know, who became a big That's like right wing radio guy, um, his podcast and any of his television contributions because he is officially legit y'all running for mayor of New York City. Oh. Um, and he had to quit because New York, the New York City Compa- Campaign Finance Board attorney Nicholas um, Mariko filed a complaint against Lewa, who accused him of using his radio show to promote his mayoral run, which I guess is illegal. You can't uh-huh. have like your own profit making radio show and be like, I'm going to use this as my platform to run for He office, probably was like, why I not? Don't, I don't understand. I don't understand why I can't do it. It's called being like an uh, you know, entrepreneur, yeah, I'm clever, sure of it. smart. I'm sure of it. But another weird thing that I found when I was looking into what's going on with them. So that was March 2nd. This goes back a year ago, a couple right? weeks earlier. No, March 2nd of 2021. Oh, 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 like oh. Last what? week. Yeah. 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 I, t- I told you I was going to get you the most up to date stuff. But the other thing that I found out about them um, was from a f- several weeks earlier, but it was from February 17th of 2021. Oh, my. So the city's transit system per some like news report or release was going was planning to be a wash in red berets as the guardian angels plan to ramp up subway patrols to combat the growing surge of violence so Vaughn, i mentioned this to you before but i don't i didn't know this until i looked this up so apparently starting in february or maybe late january there has been a growing like surge of like highly publicized subway shoves and attacks and a stabbing spree that took place over the weekend leading up to February 17th, where a uh, mentally ill man stabbed two people and wounded two oh, others no. on the A train. And then there was another mentally ill homeless person who slashed two UPS workers. And so there's just been all of this horrible violence lately. And the pushing of like, people on the, on the tracks? Onto the tracks. That's like my so, yeah, so that was always my nightmare. I never stood anywhere near the tracks, but it said the NYPD has already, can you hear me over the thunderous yeah, torrential downpour yeah. of rain? Awesome. The NYPD has already added more than 500 new officers to the transit system to combat this new, like growing violence. And then Sliwa said the violence is so real. And with 70%, because think of the pandemic, you guys with 70% less ridership. So there's 70% fewer people on the subway. It's it's becoming so obvious that, that there are people on the train that should not be allowed to get on the train that are there to hurt the remaining 30%. He said going into a train station these days, much like in the 70s, was going into the belly of the beast. So they have upped their presence on the subway as of Mar- or February 17th. So that's a little less than a month ago. And I hope they've been helpful. Yeah, any New Yorkers out there seen any uh, yeah, guardian angels? Yeah, for real. Because I couldn't, I couldn't believe. I mean, we got, we know a lot of people in New York, so I'd never heard anything about the recent uptick. But also, I don't know that I know anyone riding the subway all that often. So that's true, and especially now, have... I think most people either are out of work or not taking the subway. I think. Right. So I felt the need to touch on this, even though I feel like this is all knowledge that we all have. But our eighth episode of rom crime vigilante was called you aren't special and we don't love you and we covered yeah. the insurrection at the at the capitol on january 6th so per the most recent thing i could find and it's obviously being 
constantly updated because they're constantly finding new people, arresting new people. But federal prosecutors have now charged more than 300 people. They have arrested more than 280 in connection with the events of January 6th, um, per Deputy Attorney General John Carlin. And a Justice Department official said that the that this week, the department, and this week would have been the week of March 2nd of 2021, the department has opened up new files on approximately 540 potential More? yeah wow. 540 new possible um well i wrote subjects i don't know if that's the right word and then i also just added and trump wasn't impeached so way to fail politics yeah um, and that's my update on wow. that guy that's so frustrating um, and, and also terrifying that so, that many people are brainwashed i mean we knew you could see it in the video there was obviously thousands of people there but the fact that the um the FBI and everybody involved, like, you know, 300 people have been charged. Another 280 people have been arrested in connection with these events. And they have just recently opened up files on another 540 people. So if you were wondering if they're actually out there trying to find these people, they are. And, um, and I believe they will. I hope so. Um, you saw that stuff recently where they saw, they got video footage of the guy that planted the pipe bombs no. and you cannot see his face Vaughn in any of the videos, but they got a really clear cut picture of this person's incredibly unique sneakers. Like they were Weird. strange colors. They seemed like maybe they were custom. <laughs> so they blew up the picture of the sneaker and it was all over the news. And they're like, if you know somebody who owns a pair of shoes that look like this and it would be hard not to notice if they did, please contact us because that's the uh, would be pipe bomber <gasps> from the Capitol. Did riots. they find him? Yeah. Not yet. That just came out like within the last two oh, days. Oh, that is amazing. God, I, I should watch the yeah. news again, but I prefer to have Avrin okay. watch it and tell me what. I watch the news and I absorb all of this weird shit. <laughs> you and, and, you like, and my husband. Let me tell you something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. okay. I'm like, Vanya, did you see this? And you're like, no. And I'm like, let me ruin your day. Um. <laughs> no, no, I need it. I need to hear. And I'm getting better. I'm slowly like coming out of the disturbing it's, it's, it's a lot yeah. of bad news but at least trump's not president anymore exactly. so most of the news is really more about like trying to fix the problems than like oh a creation of a new problem right. all right so my final update you guys has yes. to do with miss britney spears <gasps> so as you can tell when i initially did this research it was march 2nd of 2021 because a lot of <laughs> things i found were like that day but i did in fact go back today before we recorded and i didn't find anything Except for I'm going to tell you one new thing I found out about Britney. Nothing new had really popped up. But March 2nd, 2021, through his attorney, Vivian Lee Thoreen, Jamie Spears boo, said that he too wishes the conservatorship for his daughter would come to an end. A quote from Jamie, or Jamie in quotes, would love nothing more than to see Britney not need a conservatorship. His lawyer told CNN on Friday, March 2nd, whether or not there is an end to the conservatorship really depends on Brittany. If she wants to end this conservatorship, she can file a petition to end it. And that is actually kind of interesting. So the next court hearing in the conservatorship is um, March 17th. So that's just like next yeah. week, right? St. Patrick's the Day. It's the ninth. So, yes. Oh, that yes. St. Patrick's Day. Um, but it's interesting because I guess... In everything that we did research-wise, Vanya, she has never filed a petition to be fully released from it. All she's done is ask that her dad be taken off of it. That's so and bizarre. And so it's, in it's interesting that he came out and said, like, hey, I want her not to need this. Like, just file that you don't need it. And so 
I think there's a lot to the story that we don't know, like I'm even sure with true. the documentary and stuff like that. Because if it was as simple as like she could just petition for it all to be over and it would be over, um, there must be more to it than just that. It can't be that simple. But here's something kind of nuts Ooh, that just happened tell me. today. Two horrible, awful people named Jim, Jim Jordan and Matt um, Getz or Gates. Uh, Jim Jordan is the uh, Republican representative from Ohio and Matt Getz is the Republican representative from Florida. They're both big Trump people. They're both just bad. I'm pretty sure Jim Jordan is in big trouble for like $3 million worth of like campaign funds that are like illegal or something. I didn't do too much research into them, but I knew their names enough to be like, I feel like I hate that I'm going to tell something (laughs) positive about these two douchebags. But as of today, Vanya, they wrote a letter and called for a congressional hearing on just conservatorships in America in general. They asked that a hearing take place to examine whether Americans are trapped unjustly (gasps) in conservatorships, and they specifically cited Britney Spears and Jamie Spears in the letter that they sent to Congress as an example of someone who is trapped unjustly in a conservatorship, and that happened today. Oh, my God. But yeah, just today they sent a letter saying that they'd like to have a congressional hearing on on conservatorships in general. That is so fascinating. I also wonder if that movie, I don't know if anybody out there saw it. I know you saw it. Avern, because you told me to watch it, is I care a lot. Yes, because it's kind of the same. It's a little different, but not it really. Is the same. I mean, it's there not, are people. It's old who, people who I guess like kind of do what Rosamund Pike's character did in this movie. You guys, it's really intense. right where they like they basically get conservatorship over elderly people and then steal their money who don't who don't have family to say like, no, that's not true or do have family that they can somehow delegitimize in court. And then they put them in a home and they sell their home and all of their property. And they also earn a salary for being their conservator. So they bankroll everything this person owns. They get paid to do it. And it's a great movie. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's upsetting, but it's like really well done. And the acting is amazing. It's a a dark, dark comedy that sometimes forgets it's a dark comedy, but yeah, I, but I, I wonder if that has like some impetus too, because like nobody should be screwed over and and also taking advantage of people should not be legal. It's not cool. I don't know, but I feel like that movie especially is like a horror movie because I think one, one major thing that everyone is afraid of is losing their, their mind. Yes. And it makes people like question their own sanity, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's, if the court has deemed you incapable Mm -hmm. of making decisions then you start to question, like, am I nuts? Am I not capable of this? I mean, the weird, the thing about the movie, though, is there was a lot of people that had to be in on it to get it all going. But yeah, it was a con still. job. But I still think in some in some way, maybe not as like, you know, in depth in terms of the con that the movie went to. I think there's probably some shady shit going yeah. on with some conservatorships well let's hope that changes but that's gonna wrap yeah i know i hope it, these horrible republicans um do something cool and free britney yay free britney <laughs> and then they'll at least have that on their record and that can't hurt you know i know i i do I, it was just honestly so fun to walk down britney memory lane i love her guys obviously this is our final episode for season three we had so much fun thank you guys for listening and going on this journey with yes. us yes if you we will are, be back, so we will yeah. be back. But one thing we're going to do in the interim is 
we are going to release three or four episodes of our Patreon only. Yeah, our exclusive content to you, our listeners who aren't on Patreon while we get ready for season three. That's right. And so just feel free to check that out. Enjoy. If you like what you hear, obviously, you can become a Patreon and get more of that. More of that jazz. We got lots of stuff on there. That's right. For all of our current Patreon members, don't you worry. We got stuff coming to you weekly while we are away. Looking forward to it, guys. We will talk to you soon. That's right. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rom Crime. We have new episodes out every Friday, so feel free to subscribe if you want to follow along with us. You can also follow us on Instagram at Rom Crime. That is R-O-M-C-R-I-M-E. Or you can email us at romcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Rom-crime.